welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today, we thought we would do a special episode being in the career services business because we get a ton of questions. The economy is doing one thing, LinkedIn is saying do something else, and everyone has an opinion about looking for a job and starting your own business. So today we wanted to talk about common mistakes we see and how job seekers and business owners can improve their chances, whether it's to close clients, get that promotion, get that raise, and everything in between. So gear up for a super special episode with the Resume Rescue's finest, Destiny Hinson and Allison Whitehead. Thanks, gals, for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Of course. So for those of you who may be new to the podcast, Destiny and Allison both work for me. Destiny's been with me over two years. Allison's coming up on two years. And really, we see a plethora of things. So Destiny is our all-hands-on-deck IT guru, operations support, just a little sprinkle of everything. Jill of all trades, we like to call her. And Allison is our senior resume writer and cover letter expert. So really wanted to come on and just tell everyone what we're seeing and just the simplest things that people do wrong. So starting off, you both arguably changed careers. I know, Allison, you had said you thought the job posting for resume writer was a joke and not a real job. (laughs) So I want to just start with what has that process been like transitioning careers and now doing something you never really thought? So Destiny, we'll start with you since you've been with me for over two years. Just what it was like to transition from marketing into this job? Yes, just more of, you know, you went to school, got one degree, worked a variety of careers, and now you're doing a little bit of everything now. Um, Yeah, it definitely wasn't, I guess, in my plan, but I'm not going to say I really had a real plan when I was going to college. It was very much get the degree, get a job. But um, what I will say is all the jobs before this one even if they were bad, even if they were kind of traumatic experiences, they gave me the experience I needed to do well what I'm doing now mm-hmm. and to kind of lead me actually into my job now. You know, the people I've met, the different things that I've done, the steps that I've taken to get here, I wouldn't be here without everything I've went through in my previous job. So if you're kind of feeling discouraged or feeling like, what the heck am I doing? This isn't going to get me anywhere. Just hold out at will in one way or another. Well, it is interesting because we always joke about our work PTSD from other jobs, horrible bosses and everything. But yeah, if I never worked like B2B sales, I would not kick ass at sales now, although I cried every day at work. So I agree with that. That's such a good point to reiterate. Now, Allison, tell us on how you thought this job was a joke and how you came to be a resume writer. So at the time that I was looking, I was looking at some other jobs too. But when I was in college, I had a minor in journalism, which happened to be my major at one point, And I changed it because I had said to myself, like, this isn't a reliable move for me. This isn't going to be like long term growth in my career. If I like stick with journalism, what am I going to find? Right. So when I went to college, much like Destiny, I was like, let's get the degree, get out, get a job. Um, And that was like my main goal. But I remember when I ran across this job posting, I was like, no, I was like, there's no way. Like I said, when I graduated college, I was like, I would love to have a writing job, but I don't know what's sustainable in a writing job. Um, A lot of people who are journalists will tell you that I'm sure that it's just like, it's a difficult industry to be in. So I remember when I saw a writing job posting, I was like, this can't be real. Like it, it seemed too good to be true. But here we are. Here we are. Now transitioning into 
I mean, I get asked this all the time, and I think both of you have said you even get asked this by friends and family members. What makes a good and bad resume? A lot of things. Good would be obviously something that's result-oriented. Um, I think a lot of people forget to do that. I mean, before I started here, I'm sure my resume was not the greatest, right? Like you and I both talk about Angela, if we had to go back and write our own resumes, it would be horrible because we're not used to doing that. And even going back to look at my resume that I've done previous to this job, I'm like, what is this? What am I looking at? <laughs> so I think that good is just like showcasing yourself as a professional, uh, more so than showing like the general side of you and things that people are going to have on their resume in every industry, right? Like everybody can put that they're a good communicator, but unless you like show that result, uh, you're not really going to showcase yourself. So on the flip side of that, I would say bad would be the ones that are really long. Uh, we've had a few of those lately. The ones that are like 10 plus pages are not it. Please don't do that. People who just don't have, I guess, attention to detail in their resume to highlight the achievements they've done or the improvements they've done throughout their career. Well, and I love and we always laugh about spelling errors or people that the amount of people that spell things wrong on their resume is just astounding to me. But like we use Grammarly. We love Grammarly. It's great. We have all the plugins for emails and resumes and all. It's like just use the resources that are out there, people, because mm -hmm. if you spell your job title wrong to me and you're applying for a job, I'm going to reject you. And especially us, I mean, as we're going to continue to grow and hire more people for sales, marketing and resume writing, it's like you spell something wrong. I'm probably not going to hire you. An email, fine. But like your job title, let's like think about that a little bit more. Yeah. Be detail oriented. Don't just say you're detail oriented. Actually do it. Yes, maybe do that. Exactly. And it's so funny you say that. And we're going to talk about being detail oriented a little later on this. But what are some easy tips? And oh, great question for you, Allison. Is a resume only supposed to be one page? No, everybody thinks that. It's not true. So a lot of people used to say in the past, you know, a resume can only be one page. And a lot of that was when we were going in person to apply to a job. But, you know, so much has changed over the years. And especially in this post-COVID world, we're trying to navigate like the challenges of applying for jobs. And one of those is applying for jobs online. So it's pretty unrealistic to ask somebody who has 25 to 30 years of experience to condense all that onto one page. Uh, obviously, you still want to leave a little bit to desire something to talk about in the interview, of course, but they don't have to be just one page. You want to make sure that you can show yourself regardless. So I, I would say like two pages is pretty good. That's usually pretty standard, especially with like these mid or senior level people. But it really just all depends on your experience. Absolutely. And Destiny, per your point of be detail oriented, what are the mistakes you're seeing clients either doing with us or on their resumes, emails? What are you seeing? Definitely talking back to our point earlier, just lack of attention to detail. Mm -hmm. So we're sending documents to clients. They're just not reading them. And it's an email asking a question that's in the document. <laughs> so again, it's fine. You know, with us, it's kind of part of the whole customer service experience that, that happens, right? You're in a rush. You don't want to read our document we sent you. You're going to go ahead and email us. But I feel like that's something you don't want to do with a potential employer. Mm -hmm. um, again, because that shows your lack of attention to detail. If they're going to send you all these documents with all this information, please take the time to read it. 
it instead of just quickly just seeing, oh, I don't see it. I'm not sure if it's here. And then emailing them first. Like, again, it just shows one, you're not a problem solver. You're not paying attention to detail. Just make sure you look first. Just really make sure you're exhausting all the other options, every resource that you have first before you actually send that email out and ask a question. Right. And you sign paperwork. I mean, maybe you're signing a non-compete that says you can't work for someone else for five years or we will sue you. I mean, I mean, yes, it's a lot of paperwork and it's 30 plus pages, but that's why you need to read through it. Or, hey, you're not entitled to vacation time for up until a year. Like we've heard so many horror stories of clients just signing their lives away. And it's like, if you just took the five minutes to read through it, I don't care. And you're entitled. I mean, this is something I don't know if a lot of people know, like you're entitled to take all the time you want. You don't have to sit there and sign the paperwork if you're doing it in person. I mean, you want to take five hours to decide? Legally, they have to allow you to. I mean, yes. that's what people like, oh, I'm just going to sign it and they have their best interest. I'm going to retire here. Mm-hmm. And ideally, yes, but it's like, just read through the fine print. Just take that extra time. And can we talk about that too when it comes to that process? Absolutely. Let's do it. I do feel like recruiters or hiring managers, companies definitely put the pressure on. They are on top of you. I remember that feeling. I'm just feeling so pressured to sign that offer letter right away or they're going to rescind the offer. Yeah. So that is so good to keep in mind because especially when you're young, when I was young, you know, signing offer letters for jobs, you're just excited. You take the first job that you see because you think it sounds good and you're getting paid a little more than you were at your current position. (laughs) But you're so right. I wish I would have had somebody at that time tell me, take your time reading the offer. You don't need to accept that first offer. It is possible you'll get another offer. Just you have to take time and do what's right for you. Don't feel the pressure. Don't let anybody pressure you. And if they are, it's probably a red flag. Right. And if they're pressuring you now just to sign an offer, what kind of pressure are you going to be? Like if you're in a sales role, if you're in whatever X amount of role, the pressure is going to be there too. And we just had a client actually who she's like, I don't know. They want me to sign the offer. And I was like, we'll tell them you need another week. So they gave her two weeks and she ultimately went with them. But if you have other interviews and you're not loving, you're not feeling this position, don't do it. Yeah. Because we've had plenty of people come back to us and say, my gut feeling was telling me not to do it, but it sounded so great on paper and they were pressuring me and I didn't want to. So I think a lot of people they kind of show their true colors or a lot of companies when you're in the hiring process. Are they informing you of what's going on? Are they telling you what's up? Like what's happening here? Destiny, I remember, I think I had a trip. Oh, I was moving my boyfriend at the time cross country. And I was like, hey, look, I love you. Let's meet before I leave. I'm going to very much give you like what's happening right now. But don't be weary if you haven't heard from me because I'm literally in the mountains of South Dakota driving. But it takes two seconds to send a text, to send an email, to just do anything and just keep the candidate in process. And Lord knows I probably didn't do it even perfect with either one of you. But it's just like in my favorite thing, I'm going to stop ranting here in a minute, I swear. But (laughs) it's, oh, we're so busy. We're going to get to you. It's like, well, if you hire someone to help with how busy you are, you can just solve that issue instead of just pushing out the process. Yeah, exactly. But great point to bring up there. Now, kind of going off of this here, it's funny because we've had lots of conversations, of course, now transitioning to career services that you both have said, I never realized this was a thing or I never realized like this is how it is. Are there certain either like words of advice or 
things you know now that you wish you knew when you started? And I know, Destiny, you kind of got into that a little bit. But Allison, is there anything that now you're telling like friends and family or anyone that's looking for a job that you wish you knew? Yeah, don't ever take a job that you don't like. (laughs) Don't work a job you don't like. It's so stupid. Like, I'm always flabbergasted. I am baffled when people tell me they're staying in a job that they hate for so long. You know, they say to me or whoever they're talking to, oh, I hate this job, but I I just don't want to go through with the job search. And I don't want to apply for another job right now because we can all agree that looking for jobs and applying and going through that process, it's, it's a lot for sure. And if you have something that's stable, you're like, I don't really want to do something else. And that's totally understandable. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't be crying on a Sunday about your job. You shouldn't be stressed when you get off. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like when we're off work, we're off work. Occasionally we'll text each other something like last night, Angela, I texted you something work related at like 10 o'clock, but that's very rare. Mm -hmm. And it's usually just memes and stuff, but like people don't know how to shut off. Right. And there's a lot of people in my life who they think that their life uh, revolves around work. But my favorite thing is saying to people that you don't live to work, you work to live. And that's something I wish I knew when I was at a job working like 60, 70 hours a week, multiple shifts. I never knew that. I just thought that was normal. So it wasn't until I was here that I realized you can have a work-life balance. That's been my biggest thing, as you guys know. So I, I wish I knew that when I was younger. I did the same thing. I mean... It's so stupid now being a boss and owning a business of like how many shitty bosses I had. It's like you're actually causing more emotional stress on your employees. Mm -hmm. Like you perform better off of a vacation. And I'm having people on TikTok yell at me that unlimited PTO isn't a thing and I'm wrong and I'm a bad boss that I do all the time. So but it is interesting because I feel like right now in anywhere, I mean, if we're going to say anything positive about this pandemic is. You can have your cake and eat it too. And if you need flexibility, you need higher salary, like you should. And you should reasonably getting a raise, any type of raise every year, because you have to. With inflation, everything is so expensive now. If you're not, move on, right? Now, what we're seeing a lot of is, and you both worked for bigger businesses. And I don't remember, Destiny, I was thinking about this last night, if we had talked about this on the podcast before, but... Working for bigger companies, what was kind of going through your head? I mean, literally a one-woman show here that you were like, heck yeah, hop on board. I'm going to be first employee of a newer company. What was that kind of like? And Allison, same thing for you, but we'll start with Destiny. What was kind of appealing to go from like the corporate gigs you've had and then into the smallest business that we were at the time? Um, I think the biggest draw was that I'd be working directly with you every day. You know, coming from big business or big companies, you know, you have management that you wouldn't maybe hear from for days at a time, but they're expecting the world and more from you. And that would be really frustrating. It makes you feel extremely isolated. And it's tough. It's tough to get your job done if you don't have all the resources that you need, your questions answered, because they're just so busy. They're too busy for you. So it's just not a great feeling. Um, another thing that kind of attracted me too was that I definitely got the vibe from you that I wasn't going to have to sell my soul to work for you, <laughs> which I think not all big companies out there, but a lot of big companies out there don't want just your time. They want everything else from you as well. You know, you don't really get much of a personal life. You're not going to really 
get much of that flex time. I mean, they basically expect you to make your job your life. Mm-hmm. And talking to you and kind of getting the vibes from you, I just had a feeling you were not going to be like that. And that wasn't going to be expected of me. And that was huge. I mean, thank you so much for saying that, first of all. But <laughs> it does make a difference. I mean, I remember being so frustrated and so many projects would be backlogged. And then it's like one person is screaming in my ear. The client's pissed because I need something from a manager that's not responding to me. And I'm just like stuck in this middle of getting screamed at on both ends. And again, go home crying over things that I literally were out of my control. Like right. I did this myself. And I think a lot of people always think like the bigger, the better. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with working for a big corporation or if that's your vibe and that's your goal. Great. But understand what the expectations are. Understand, do you have direct contact with a manager or are you going like liaison to the manager, to the manager, VP's assistant? What's not direct contact? And that makes a big difference. And I, I mean, you both know how vocal I am on everything, but it would be so frustrating. And it's your voice doesn't always get heard, I feel like, too. But oh, yeah. Any ideas that you had or like any ways you could think to help the business even you weren't big enough, you know, you weren't important enough to have your voice heard. So that was really hard, too. Or we've always done it this way. We don't need yes. to change it. Oh, <laughs> you need to go through this process to even have your opinion be heard. Like, it's crazy. <sighs> That's why I didn't. We were just talking about this this morning on a networking group I was at. I'm like, yeah, no boss liked me because I had an opinion and said how things were stupid and why don't we change it? So I get that. And Allison, tell us about your experience because you worked for a very large company. So when I was in that role, it was a well-known thing that I was one of the lower on the totem pole uh, managers, which was fine, right? Completely understandable. That happens. There's a hierarchy. I get it. The problem was, just as Destiny said, I had to jump through hoops to get my voice heard. And I wanted to make things better. I I truly, at one point, it was like, this is the end goal, right? Like, this is the end all be all is being here. And I loved it. I wanted that so bad. But when I started realizing that the culture revolved around the top people making all the decisions, I was like, this ain't it. And as Destiny said, That was why I was attracted to working with you, too, because I felt like I was going to have an opinion on something. And it took me a while even to like trying to get to that point here um, because of my work PTSD. So, of course, I was nervous about it, but we got to that point and I'm not afraid of that anymore. But at my old jobs, it would be like, hey, maybe we should do this. Maybe this will improve our revenue. Maybe we should change this CRM. And it's like, no. We've done this for 10 years and -and so-and-so changed it. Whoever the C-suite person is that changed it, who's now retired. And I'm like, well, they're retired now. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's a lot different working for a small company just for the fact that you can actually talk about your opinions and have them heard. And I think a lot of people when interviewing, they're afraid, especially like our job seekers who haven't looked for a job in 10, 20 years, which we've been seeing a lot more of those. But It's, well, I don't want to ask too many questions. I don't want them to like not be interested in me. It's like the ball's in your court. Yeah. You can straight up tell me you could have said no, but you both did great with asking a lot of questions of like, I want to work life balance. This is what my expectations are. I'm not working weekends, like all these things. I'm like, yeah, great. Me either. So glad we're on the same page. But I think where people go wrong kind of transitioning into interviews is you sit there silent. You don't say anything. Or you ask like the touching edge questions, 
but feel it out. Like, what kind of leader are you looking for? What's the culture here? Why is this position open? Yes. What happened to the last person in this position? Oh, you've had four of them in the last year? Uh, I think you're the toxic one, not the person in the role. Right. What are some of those other common questions or kind of interview tips, Allison, we'll start with you, of where people kind of go wrong or what people can improve upon in interviews? Yeah, so I think it's honestly just being overexcited and going for it right in the moment and not taking the time to think about what this means for you. Um, Because, you know, I think Destiny had said earlier that you're just so excited right out of college. You just want a job. It's more than you were getting paid and you're ready for that next step. But, you know, there's come a point in my life where I, I talk to people now who, you know, a friend of mine just got a new job and she said, what should I ask in the interview? And my first thing I said was, At the end of the interview, you have to ask why they're hiring. When they say, do you have any questions, say, why are you hiring for this job? Or, you know, what happened to the person before? You know, something along those lines, because that's going to tell you everything you need to know. And for me personally, I'm a big like, you know, if I can do a new job, I love to know what the training is going to be like. And I think that's something I asked you, too, Angela, was like, what's the training like? How long do you foresee that taking? Um, And I think you can tell a lot about a hiring manager or about the person interviewing you just from questions like that. I agree. Yes, definitely. I remember when I hired you, Destiny, I was like, oh, shit, I got to put a training plan together. Like, I (laughs) I got a whole ass employee now. Like, this is crazy. And it's just something, too, of, you know, are you going to have time for me? Yeah. Especially, like, small business, too. And I think, Allison, you had asked me, you did ask a lot about training. And I was like, oh, gosh, I'm kind of intimidated. Like, <laughs> I'm not together because she's not messing around. That's my PTSD. It's OK. <laughs> it was. But it's so interesting how some managers are like, oh, yeah, just do the training and whatever. And yeah, call me if you need anything. But then they're not available. And then what we were just talking about of you just sit there as like, I don't know what to do because I don't know how to do anything and nobody's training me. And I think that speaks a lot. Like, do you have a training person on staff? Do you have everything? I mean, as we're building out kind of our SOPs and training and everything now, so it's a lot easier when new people come on board. I mean, I remember just getting thrown to the wolves in some of these jobs and just very stressful. So, yeah. And your performance totally lacks from it, too. I mean, how can you be good at your job if you don't know what you're doing? Right, right then if you're not doing good at your job to it's never their fault. It's your fault. Always your fault. Exactly. So that's something to think about too. Or if you're in a metrics driven role, I mean, yes. we've, we've all worked in metrics driven roles or you have certain goals to hit and it's like, well, why are you behind on goals? It's like, well, I took the three months that was supposed to be training and then I had to teach myself. Yes. Yeah. So quick story on this. My first job out of college, which has so many other issues we've talked about multiple times, but I never will forget an account manager laughing in my face because I didn't know what a certain company was. Like, I didn't know who they were. And he laughed in my face. And my one thing is don't call me stupid or don't make fun of like my intelligence. I don't know why that's my thing. That's my one thing. Yeah. And I'll never forget that interaction. And I was so heated. And I'm like, screw this. I'm going to teach myself all there is to know. And they're going to regret when I leave. And sure enough, here we are. But the right people will see you and kind of like, And I will say my last company I worked for did really great with training. Like you had a mentor one-on-one, you went to corporate for training and they kicked ass at training. And I went fully prepared and ready to go. But so many companies, and it's it's not to say that the bigger you are, the better your training is. Mm -hmm. Think of how many clients we have that come to us. They're like, I just started this role and I'm thrown to the wolves. It's a large enterprise company that's globally now or Fortune 100 company. 
So interesting there. Now, where people find these jobs, kind of interesting. Destiny, you found me on LinkedIn. Allison, you found us through your Oakland alumni group. How important, Destiny, do you think is LinkedIn? Now, we get asked this a lot. What has kind of been, of course, your experience? You know, you see you're on LinkedIn all day, every day. But do you think people need to be on LinkedIn? And where do you see the future of LinkedIn? Um, Yeah, I think LinkedIn is huge. I think it is controversial because, you know, it is kind of bordering on the social media uh, side a little bit. And it's frustrating because it's not what you go to LinkedIn for. You do just want it to be kind of networking, connecting with professionals. But, you know, sometimes, like we've said in the past, you are not just your professional side. Yeah. You also have a personal life. So, of course, that's going to kind of seep into LinkedIn a little bit and be on your feed here and there. So this is kind of something you have to accept, especially going forward now with more and more companies really accepting a work-life balance now and being more open to that. So, yeah, I think LinkedIn is huge. I think you should definitely be on LinkedIn, have a presence on there. One day it may even replace resumes. Who knows? Things are changing. Things are changing fast. And, you know, the last point I want to make is, yeah, that's how I found Angela. That's how I got into the resume rescue. I needed help with my resume. And I thought, where is the best place to get help with my resume? Instead of just doing an endless, vast Google search of resume help, let's narrow it down to LinkedIn, which, again, is full of professionals. And that's how I met Angela and the rest is history. Here we are. No, it is. And I think we do have a future where we're not going to have paper resumes. It's going to be your online presence. I mean, TikTok's not going anywhere. Social media is all growing in popularity. And I'm going to butcher the numbers with LinkedIn. But essentially, they had said they're expecting close to, I think, just under a million users by the end of 2025, like a million new users on it. So that just shows. And I mean, when we hire people, unless you're a resume writer, I don't care what your resume looks like. Like, I'm more impressed with your LinkedIn, especially if you're going to be in a sales role for us, than I am going to be with your resume. Right. So a lot of employers hire that way. Allison, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I totally see LinkedIn taking over the resume space. Um, it's funny, actually, yesterday, all three of us are working on kind of building out what the future of our side of the business looks like. And one of my things that somebody working with us had told me is think about what your side of the business can be and what resumes can be in the future and not necessarily what they are. So part of what I had thought about yesterday was the fact that a lot of things are becoming more digital. So, you know, people, I've seen a lot more people have online portfolios. So I can see that taking over. A lot of people using LinkedIn for things that they can't necessarily put on their resume, right? You can put links on your resume, but they're so much easier if you're already on a LinkedIn page and you can go to their featured section and just go right to the page from there. So I I see more people using it. And just with the clients that we've worked with, their resumes versus LinkedIn pages, I've seen a lot of people who have like a not so great resume, but a pretty good LinkedIn page, right? So it's pretty user-friendly. So I definitely see that in the future too. Well, and it's interesting because when you're in college, I don't know if you both were forced to, but I was forced to make a LinkedIn in college for a business class. I can't remember. It is so many of our recent grads we get or even like, late 20s, early 30s, they're like, yeah, I had to do it in college, but I haven't really touched it since. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a lot. Not to harp on people that work in career services on colleges, because a lot of them are great. 
But you have to think, too, the people that have been in career services for 30 years at the same university probably don't know what's going on in the market right now. Yeah. They haven't worked with a corporate job. True. And that's something where it's, oh, yeah, we're going to force you to make a LinkedIn, but not show you how to use it. I mean, it's just so interesting there. But as we kind of finish up with this, are there any, because I've been asking every guest this, as you both have listened to the podcast, Dusty or Allison, words of wisdom to any listeners or potential job seekers? I can go first. I will just say being in this role, knowing what I know now, if you're thinking about looking for a new job or you know you're going to start looking for your new, a new job, have your resume ready. Have it up to date. Make sure it's also communicating exactly what you're looking for. What was my problem, you know, for the years before I found Angela was I used to be an optician. My resume had a lot of talk or skills relating to optical. And so when I was putting my resume out there or even just networking on LinkedIn, the only jobs I was getting offers for were for optician roles. And I was done with that. I graduated college. I was ready to move on. So again, it led me to find Angela and get some expert resume help. But also try Google. I mean, if you're not ready to pay somebody yet to help you, Google does have a lot of resources on there to help you out. Sometimes when I was speaking with clients and they're asking me for help and I can't get to Angela fast enough, I'll Google it. So <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a lot of help out there. If you're just not ready to pay someone to help you yet, try Google first. Use all your resources. Exhaust. Problem solve. Find out what you can first before you feel like you finally have to ask for help. Right. And we offer free consultations. So you want a free review of your resume yes. or LinkedIn or social media. Give us a call. Talk to us. Yes. Call us. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, Allison, your words of wisdom. Same with Destiny. Make sure your resume is speaking to what you want. There are people who want to change fields completely, understandably so. We've all been there. But you need to make sure that your resume is highlighting that. And lastly, most importantly, if you think you deserve better and you know you deserve better, go get better. You don't deserve to stay in a job that you don't like. I mean, you guys know that I preach that. Like, don't do it. You're not going to have a happy work-life balance. It's going to bleed into your personal life. It's just not worth it long term. Golden. Exactly. Thank you again for tuning in for another episode of That's Business. Remember, if you're in needs of career services, we do offer free consultations. You can visit us on www.theresumerescue.com. Find us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn under The Resume Rescue. Thank you. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, The Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.